Welcome to the I Can't Sleep podcast with Benjamin Boster. If you're tired of sleepless nights, you'll love the I Can't Sleep podcast. I help quiet your mind by reading random articles from across the web to bore you to sleep with my soothing voice. Each episode provides enough interesting content to hold your attention, and then your mind lets you drift off. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. That's I Can't Sleep with Benjamin Boster. And so you've grown up in the spotlight. And so I would imagine a lot of people are surprised to hear you say like that you have days that are lonely. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really, I think there's a great opportunity for me to help people understand that that is a very real thing. Uh, And of course, like, you know, there's a difference between being lonely and alone. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's, that's work that I, I do. Um, Welcome to Mentally Stronger, the show that will help you develop the mental strength you need to reach your greatest potential, no matter what life throws your way. I'm Amy Morin, psychotherapist, mental strength trainer, and an international best-selling author of five, soon to be six, books on mental strength. Every Monday, I introduce you to a guest whose story and expertise can inspire you to think, feel, and do your best in life. And the fun part is... We record it all from a sailboat in the Florida Keys. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Do you ever think that you don't have time to work on your mental health? Do you ever think you're broken and don't have time to fix everything that's wrong with you? Do you sometimes feel all alone in your struggles? If any of those questions sound like you, you're in the right place. Today, I'm talking to Hunter Hayes. Hunter's a singer, songwriter, and musician who's become the youngest male act to ever top the Billboard country songs. He's been nominated for five Grammys, and he won a Country Music Award for New Artist of the Year in 2012. His most recent album, Red Sky, talks about some of the mental health struggles that he's experienced along the way. He makes it clear that while he's working on himself, he doesn't have all the answers yet. And despite the fact that he became famous at such a young age, you'll find that he's pretty down to earth. He's genuinely invested in learning how to improve his mental health too. Some of the things he talks about are how he deals with loneliness, why he believes so strongly in going to therapy, and the steps he's taking to improve his mental fitness. Make sure to stay tuned until the end of the episode for the therapist take. It's the part of the show where I'll break down Hunter's mental strength building strategies and share how to apply them to your own life. Here's Hunter Hayes on how to prioritize your mental health. Hunter Hayes, welcome to Mentally Stronger. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks for inviting me. It's good to be. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Uh, I'm excited as well because, again, we talk so much about mental health on this show, but uh, you don't just talk about it, you sing about it. And I understand you just got off tour not too long ago, right? Yeah, we just finished my first tour in four years in, at the end of May. Um, and it's it's so funny how, like, I forgot how touring just completely warps 
my perception of time because the tour felt like it was a year long and it felt like it was two days long. And it feels like it was a year ago that it finished. And it also feels like it was yesterday. I'm sure you could explain <laughs> that to me, but, um, but yeah, and we're talking about doing another run. So I'm really excited to get back on the road. I, I, I really missed it. How long were you on tour for? Uh, like a month, which I've never, because of the cost of inflation and all the things costing four or five times what they did in 2019, um, we tour, we're touring differently this year than we've ever toured. So that meant that, you know, whereas normally in Nashville, we'll head out for the weekends and we'll do three, four shows and then have a two, three day sort of human break. Um, we did 22 shows in like 31 days. So it was a sprint and it was, uh, or a marathon, I guess. And, um, yeah, so we were, we were only out for like a month, but it, yeah, it was a lot. What's that like the on and off? So you go out, you're super busy, you're doing all of these things and then you, and then you come home for a little bit and, and things probably aren't nearly as exciting or there aren't as many things going on, but you kind of go back to normal life and then you go back out there and do it again. Three responses. One. Um, so I got really spoiled before the pandemic because we were playing every weekend. So I knew that I had something to look forward to and I very much look forward to touring over the course of the pandemic. I realized what it was, all the things about touring that I love so much. Um, first of all, playing like when I'm in flow state on stage, like that is where I feel like I am um, just the most alive because you're just in flow. You're just, you're, you're in the process. You're just there. It's all in, it's very, you know, you rehearse a lot of things, but there's a lot of just like, you're doing so many things just in, in the moment. <laughs> um, but you are really present uh, in, a, in a good show, in a show that I feel great about. I'm really present. And I live for that. There's the travel. There's the meeting new people and having like genuine, real connection and conversation with fans and people. And then there's the being on a bus with 12 people who are like-minded, who all are there because they want to be there, not just because it's a job. And or at least that's who I try to surround myself with. And so there's the camaraderie of that. And um, and the, 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 the newness of everything. So there's a lot of it that I feed off of that really is my, uh, my source of a lot of energy sort of feeding back to me for, for all the things that we, you know, create and put out in the world. So I didn't realize that until during COVID we did uh, a handful of one-offs and I experienced something that I'd never experienced before, which is just sort of like, I don't know what you want to call it. I'd love to sort of coin a phrase with you, but, um, it was the sort of the aftermath of it, the, 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 the high of being at the show and the high of meeting the fans and all the different experiences and the floatingness of it. Um, the landing, I guess, is what I want to call it as a, as a wannabe pilot. The landing was really hard. Like I remember the first show back, um, I chose to stay in the city like an extra couple of hours after everybody left. And that was the saddest, most lonely <laughs> feeling I've ever had. Um, because I even walked around the park where we had played the night before and it was just like this empty feeling. And so, really started to recognize how strong that was and how much that was going to be a challenge. And then for this tour was really afraid because it was so much of the thing I love that I was really concerned about the time afterwards. So I chose to take a month off to sort of like reset my own expectations for that time. I've never taken that much time off before, by the way, but I think the choice to say, I'm going to choose to be alone. I'm going to choose to take a break. And this is a, it, it flipped my association with the time and allowed me to land a little bit softer. And it, it, it kind of helped me. I think it helped me sort of re because I've been running on fumes for these last few years just to get this album done to get to that tour. So after that tour, it was kind of like, okay, let's take a breath and not think about what's next for a second. 
Good for you. So I only know this on a much smaller scale, but in the speaking world, motivational speakers will often say, I get up on stage, I deliver a speech, and then I'm like, I can't sleep. Like, what am I supposed to do after I step off the stage? So I can only imagine what that must be like when when you're playing these huge concert venues and you're up on stage for a long time. Then what that's like to then be have a day off where things are quiet and things are much different. Yeah, days off are really lonely. Uh, like on this tour, I was surrounded by people who I, I love being around, and, and we would hang out. We would. I learned how to because I'm also not you know necessarily the best at reaching out and making plans. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. Unless I'm, I, I absolutely know that I want to. Um, and the days off on this tour were really lonely because of, because of that same thing exactly to what you're speaking to. Hundred percent. Yeah. And I mean, you've been performing since you were a kid, right? Basically, since you could talk, you were singing. And so yeah. you've grown up <laughs> in the spotlight. And so I would imagine a lot of people are surprised to hear you say like that you have days that are lonely. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really, I think there's a great opportunity for me to help people understand that that is a very real thing. Uh, and of course, like, you know, there's a difference between being lonely and alone. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's, that's work that I, I do. Um, and, and it's really important for people to understand that, you know, being on, there's a difference between uh, being, uh, being an artist is not the same thing as like, whatever you want to call it, being a celebrity, being famous, being this thing, that, whatever. And a lot of people don't necessarily do it for the fame or for those things. I kind of like have this really weird relationship with it because I want my music to be famous. I am not good at thinking about fame and negotiating how much people know about my life and all those things. I'm still figuring that out, you know, as a 32 year old. So, um, yeah, the, the, it is a very real thing because you, you, you give, you give, you give out of your heart and your soul and you give everything you've got to these shows and to these songs. And, and it is weird. It is weird to have that sort of like that vacuum <laughs> of space, uh, and not know what to do with it. Yeah. And, your latest album especially was a lot about feelings, which obviously lots of songs are about feelings and artists talk about it and they write about it, but it's usually like, you know, I went through a breakup and I was having a hard time. You've talked openly about the fact that, yeah, you still struggle with things related to emotions and mental health. What made you start talking about that? I think, I don't know if I'm right about this, but I I don't feel like I'm the only one. And it's, you know, I I guess I I try not to say, use the word struggle. Um, as much as just like, you know, I don't know what the word is, but sort of like daily renegotiate or, you know what I mean? Like, like work with practice, use exercises, et cetera. Um, because we're all, it's, it's all just human condition. Like, you know, I wrote one of my favorite songs in the album is wallflower. And it's about a dinner and a conversation that I have with an executive, but so many different people are related to it in different ways. The reason that I'm bringing that up is because what I've noticed is when I share something from one perspective about something I think is very isolated and unique, dear God is the example that I use the most often. It's a song that I wrote and I thought no one, first of all, I didn't think the label was going to let me put it out because it was too like, it was very jarring, you know, in comparison to anything that I've done before that. But it was also just everything that I felt like I wasn't supposed to do. It was a topic I wasn't supposed to talk about. Music, I, it was musically really weird <laughs> and and <laughs> and unique, and and it was it was very um, yeah, just different. And it ended up being a very relatable thing to people at the label. They felt really passionate about it. They wanted to put it out, and then it ended up being 
a fan favorite and the most successful song off of that album, even though it wasn't like a radio single or any of the traditional means of promoting a song. I'm saying all of that to say, I think I've learned that the things that I think are unique and or the things that I think are exclusive and isolating are actually very quite universal. When you boil it down to uh, whatever the sort of origin is. And so I'm, you know, whereas other artists, (laughs) you know, get on the mic and say like, you know, welcome to the show for the next two hours forget about the world around you i think our show is kind of a safe place for you to either you can do that if you want um and just get lost in the music and you can also go there to kind of process and and feel things and and feel like you're not alone in those feelings because chances are the people around you are feeling something similar so i've gotten more open to sharing those things because i feel uh i just feel a tug at my heart to continue to do those things and share those things and not in like i'm gonna make heavy music for the rest of my life but in a very open door like let's let's form a community and a safe place around the things that we all kind of have in common and feel and experience and and are all working on i'm so glad you said that because my therapy office is often a revolving door of people who come in and be like i can't tell anybody that this is going on because nobody else would understand what they don't know is the last five people in my therapy office all said very similar things. And while we'll say things like, you know, you never know what somebody's going through by looking at them, I think we forget. Like that people who are really successful, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily not struggling with something or it doesn't mean that they're completely mentally healthy all the time. We talk about mental health as if it's something you either have or you don't. So I also like to talk... the fact that you mentioned how like, it, no, it's an ongoing thing. It's not like you arrive and you can declare yourself mentally healthy forever. It's something we all need to work on on a regular basis. Yeah. And understanding, I think for me, there was a big turning point in understanding that it's not a, it's not a finish line. First of all, the first understanding was you're not broken. You're not going to get fixed. You know, um, it's not a hospital. It's a gym. Um, and then the shift into, there's no finish line. There's just, um, And I drew a lot of, and I still do, every time I have uh, certain conversations about understanding myself, I treat it kind of like a cockpit because like in student, as a student pilot, you know, you kind of learn to look at three, six or nine gauges consistently and understand your place in the air better, I I guess is the best way to put it. And I feel like that's the, one of the biggest This is the first time in my life when I haven't had a pet. Up until two years ago, I had Jackson, a 19-year-old Himalayan cat, and Fiona, a 17-year-old English Springer Spaniel. Both of them lived on the sailboat and adjusted pretty well to life on the water. I miss them, and I look forward to getting another pet when the time is right. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of the family, and you want the best for them no matter what. But vet bills can really add up. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash stronger. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash stronger. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash stronger.
This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency, LIM. Do you want to get high-quality meat delivered straight to your house? Or in my case, a sailboat? Try ButcherBox. It saves me time and money. And if you order right now, Mentally Stronger listeners can get steak, chicken, or salmon free in every single order for an entire year. I love that ButcherBox offers grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, and wild-caught seafood. There are no antibiotics or added hormones. They even offer vegetarian options. ButcherBox lets you decide how often you want deliveries, and you can pick a curated plan, or you could completely customize your box. Sign up at butcherbox.com stronger and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com stronger and use code STRONGER to choose your free-for-a-year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Accomplishments? No. One of the biggest, one of the best pieces of understanding I've been given is the fact that the more I work, the more tools I have. Um, and the same things are going to come up and that's okay. A lot of the same things are going to come up. Hopefully some things come up less or come up differently, but a lot of the same things are going to show up and I just want to be better prepared to handle them and, and do it better. And you've been open with the fact that, that you've been to therapy. I've had people come into my therapy office and they don't even tell their partner that they're coming to therapy. What made you say, you know, I'm going to be open about this with the whole world that, yeah, I've seen a therapist. I'm kind of tired of it being so like, you know, cause I, 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 a lot of people that I talk to share this exact thing, but I'm really tired of it being talked about the way that I grew up hearing about it, which is like, you know, Oh, you need to go to there as if it's some punishment, as if it's some, you know, prison sentence or, you know, again, it's not a hospital. You don't you're not going there to, to get like magically healed. You're not going there to get, so I'm really passionate about people understanding that, you know, and there's a lot that has to happen at the same time, but at least on an individual level, if I can influence anything, I want people, I want to encourage people to look at it as a tool and as, as a, um, as, as, um, just more things to equip yourself with. Um, you know, we spend, we're, we're in school until we're 18 in this country and no one tells us how to deal with our own stuff and what and what it means and where it comes from or how to work with it or how to work through it and um and it's just like if you spent that much time learning how to do basic math and learning how to you know learning about science and all those things wouldn't you give yourself the gift of having your own owner's manual for yourself and getting to write it yourself so that it's in a language that you can understand and you actually want to read it and refer to it every day um I think it's an incredible tool. I think it's a gift. I think it's a gift. It's, it is the single greatest gift you can give yourself is understanding yourself. Oh, I love all that. And the idea of it's an owner's manual so you can better understand yourself. That's, that's good. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. What kinds of things have, have therapy helped you with or what have you learned from therapy that you might not have otherwise gained? <sighs> Long list. Long list. Not enough time. Um, I will say, I think the thing I've struggled with the most, so it, and, and this will probably come out in, in a couple different subcategories, but, um, my relationship with my worth can be broken down in multiple categories. One, 
you know, I was the five-year-old who got on stage every night or whatever, every weekend, because I played a lot as a kid. Like I started sitting in with bands and then I became the front man of that band. I know that's a weird thing to say, but I was, I was like, I was the singer. I was playing in the front of the band and we were doing two hour shows every weekend. I enjoyed it. I lived for it. I did not have stage parents. They did not push me. In fact, I think the biggest fight my dad and I ever got in was when he said, I'm going to, I really, I'm going to stop booking gigs for a year because I want to make sure that this is what you want to do. And that was the most miserable I'd ever been in my life. (laughs) Also because of what we're about to get to, which is, you know, I kind of accidentally got this understanding that if I perform, then I'm, then I'm worthy of being loved or I'm worthy of being, you know, wanted, et cetera. Um, which I've had to negotiate. I'm still working on. Um, there's this like sense of if I do, then I can be. <laughs> Whereas, you know, I can be, and then that out of abundance will create what I do, whatever that is. Um, still working on that. Also, I think it was really tricky for me because so many of my friends, I'll put that in quotation marks, uh, because some of them stuck around, some of them I, I haven't ever heard from since, were, were people that I worked with. And it's really tricky when you're 18 years old and the people that are around you every day when you're doing 200 shows a year are collecting a salary based on how you perform. And when you go into a writing, when I went into a writing room, it wasn't, you know, can I write a hit? You know, there was, there was, there was a sliding scale. It was like, I want to make a great song. Even at like, you know, 16, 18, like I can, I, I can feel what people, what people, I can, I can sense what people resonate with. And I can sort of understand that based on my lens. But then you sort of slide the scale over to, you know, well, we need a hit. We need a number one. Okay, well, that's another set of pressure. Well, then you start calculating, um, because I was reminded of this the other day, and I I realized how much I want to speak on this. Um, Then you realize, if I have a hit, I can tour, and all the people who are collecting a salary off of me, you know, will continue to work, will continue, you know, they're buying houses and starting families. And and then you start thinking of, well, what if I don't have a hit? What are, what's going to happen to those 20 people that I employ? That's a lot of pressure on a, on a 20 year old, you know? Um, and on anybody, it doesn't matter what age you are. It's a lot of, right. it's a lot to think about. And, and there's a lot of passion that you want to take care of these people and you want to, you know, and also like, there's only so much you can be responsible for you. It's art. There is no right or wrong, you know? So, um, and what the world really needs from artists is to do something that's never been done, not to repeat something that's already happened. So that was a whole thing. And that I think that also sort of tied to my, you know, my worth and my value. And I really had a hard time negotiating that for a long time. And the idea that our self-worth is somehow dependent upon achievement, I think that's something a lot of people struggle with. Like when I get to that next promotion or if I just get enough accolades or enough of something, then I'll finally feel good enough. But then people are disappointed because they get to that next level and it doesn't bring the happiness that they expected. Right. Well, yeah. And I'm, I can't imagine how many times you've talked about this, but yeah, it's the, that you know, we don't find happiness, we create it. And what, you know, so let's start at the foundation. What do we have to build to build happiness, to be happy? And then we can go and, and give it to the world out of abundance and, and be that for other people too, you know, um, out of what we have in our in our tank. And how do you try to not make your self-worth dependent on how many records you sold or how many people buy your concert tickets, how many likes you get on social media? I think, 
multiple ways. I think there's a benefit to having been in the industry. I'm only 32, but I feel like I've been in different versions of it since I was like five, six years old. Right. Uh, and while that sounds crazy, like, you know, I was 12 in Branson, Missouri, trying to sell tickets at a theater that had no advertisement. And I had to go and give coupons to people at breakfast diners at 6am if I wanted them to show up at my show. So there was an understanding of marketing at that age, right? And then you fast forward to, you know, um, I went on radio tour more times than I can count, where you go to every single station, there's 120-ish, give or take, reporting stations, and that means they report to the charts. Those play stations play your music, you get on the charts. So you go and you visit every station and you get to know every person that works at every station. Um, and you develop relationships. There's a purity to that. And there's also a business side to it, which is play my music, <laughs> please. And, um, and so I feel like in through that and then through like sort of, um, you know, post a major label, I've taken a lot more. Um, I've learned a lot about my sort of business or whatever, um, I have thoughts about that later, but I think the more that I've learned, the more that I've been able to take away that I can only impact. So it's the classic, like, what do you have control over? I can only impact so much. I can only make the best thing I can make. And I have to trust. There's sometimes I make something that I feel like is so um, current in that it's drenched in my current understanding of the world around me. And, and, what I see is like the collective conscience. Everybody's talking about it. And sometimes it takes a while for people to tie onto it and, and get it, you know? Um, and I've seen those songs live and survive and then catch on later. And patience is required. But again, I think it's just like understanding that there's so many things outside of my control. What can I control? Well, I can make the best thing I can make, or, you know, I can, I can talk to the team and say, Hey guys, you got to trust me on this. Um, and, and take that leap of faith. Honestly, the, the only tattoo that I have is this paper airplane. And I think that's, that's why it, 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 it was me starting the, the journey of understanding. I can give everything I've got and I can put it all down on this piece of paper and putting out a song is like throwing out a paper airplane. You can, you can only hope that the wind, the wind will catch it. We'll find who it needs to find. But, um, you know, I've seen marketing campaigns where we spend millions of dollars on a song that doesn't reach anybody through that campaign. And then it takes on a life later. Like you just have to trust that the song will find who needs to find when it, when it needs to. I love that. And I love the idea that you have this tattoo to remind you of the life lesson. That's amazing. So that's about the internal pressure of, all right, I don't necessarily need to achieve, but then how do you deal with that external pressure that you just spoke about? There are people who depend on your success in order to, to live their own lives too. Um, well, I think I've gotten to a place where I, I can only create and I can only show up, you know, and I do, I know that I show up at the best that I can, every chance that I get. Um, and that's, all I can do, I think there's, I think one of the things I've tried to unassign myself is the how I'm not a how guy. I'm a why and I'm maybe a what, but how I'll make suggestions and I'll, and I'll also make suggestions based on into like my own trust in my own intuition or my goal, my, my instincts and those kind of things, my gut. Um, because there are certain things that we can feel and there's certain things that we can see, right? We can visualize, we know, 
okay, this is what I want to create. So let's, 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 let's figure out how to get to that. But I'm, I, but I'm, I'm trying to, to unassign myself some, some of those responsibilities. Um, cause they're not my strength and, and, uh, there are plenty of other people who are good at that and I'm surrounded by them. And how do you manage your mental health these days? What kinds of things do you try to do to stay as mentally healthy as possible? Well, um, I see a therapist once a week. I see a coach once a week. Um, you know, I go in and out of like acupuncture and float tanks. I love float tanks. That's the biggest thing that I've been selling to everybody lately. Um, just a break. Cause I, what I sense is most of the people around me are just looking for a break. So whether it comes in the form of a luxurious, you know, deep tissue massage or it comes in a acupuncture, like a forced break is, is good for everybody. And, uh, I think a float tank is amazing. And, um, do you want to talk a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So I, from my understanding, it, well, it's just a, a, a really thick salt bath in which you don't sink. You literally float. It's the, you know, you can do the, the chambers, they're big pods where you're by yourself and you can turn off the light, you can turn off the sound. It's like a sensory deprivation tank. I was scared. I was so fearful of my first experience and it was so profound and it helped me just lower like if if i was looking at my body as like a you know the the gauges on the, in an airplane like everything was in the red and i felt like it just brought everything down to the green or to the bottom of just like gentle operating you know procedures and so that's why i i, I so you just lay and it just like helps you reset it helps me just slow and reset and there's a lot of thoughts that come through your mind and come in and i think the more that i've done it the more i'm just like practicing just breathing or just like meditating those kind of things but i think honestly meditation might be the first thing i'm not good at it but i still i still i'm still a champion because i think that it's you know i've i'm i follow several you know people that i think have that have done a lot of tests and experiments and things um proving the impact of med meditation over long periods of time. And I, I believe that science, I trust it. And um, so I think that's the, the soapbox I'm on lately. It's just like learning what meditation is for you and, and how you, and what, at what door you would like to enter in through uh, to, to try it and to learn about it and to experience it. How do you learn about it? A great question. I, um, like I downloaded a couple apps. Um, I love that there's a couple, you know, um, calm just got recommended to me on my digital streaming platform where I listen to music and podcasts all day. Uh, calm just started a whole thing that, uh, you know, it's like brief little, little things. Um, I've got some like long YouTube, um, I don't, I don't know, just like listening to podcasts is really helpful. Listening to people who are, who are really good at it. Um, there's two or three people that I love just listening to them talk and understanding what it is. Cause for me also, like I have to know what's going on for me to like really like invest myself into something. Um, so that's the way that I've been sort of coming to learn about it. Well, that's good to know. Cause I hear from a lot of people like I'd like to know about meditation, but I don't even know where to begin, but there are those, there's so many apps these days. You can look things up on YouTube. There's videos, books, podcast, everything dedicated to it. So I think there are lots of different ways these days for somebody to learn depending on their learning style. Yeah. Three easy ones. There's, um, there's a bunch of people on TikTok doing it, you know, and I, there's some of them that are humorous and, you know, uh, there's some of them that are very just calming and serious. Um, there's an app called insight timer that I love, uh, that's free and you can pick, you know, anywhere from one minute to 
an hour, you know, whatever you can make time for. Um, and yeah, there's, there's like YouTube, uh, there's tons of people on YouTube. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways to access it and to learn about it. And then in terms of like sensory deprivation tanks, how did you get turned on to that in the first place? Um, my coach recommended that to me because I was, I was experiencing, and I'm guilty of experiencing burnout, putting myself to the edge, um, without realizing the condition that I'm in or recognizing the condition that I can realize it, but I won't, I don't know what to do about it. I do, I guess, but I'm learning how to put into practice. Okay. I probably just need to take a day and just breathe for a minute. Um, because our work, our work is just so, you know, I, when I say our, I just mean the music industry does not work on a nine to five and very few people I'm learning outside of the industry, even work on a nine to five, like everyone's working too much. And, um, and it's easy to do when you love it. Like, you know, two nights ago, I was up till 5am because there was a song that wasn't finished and I wanted to finish it. I could hear it finished and I wanted to go as far as I could before I lost the vision for it. Um, and I did, and I lost the whole next day from just sheer exhaustion. In fact, that's why I look like this is because I'm still catching up on sleep <laughs> from that night. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, I, I, I experienced burnout a lot and it was a recommendation from my coach. I did um, one night of the float tank. I did 90 minutes, which if you can stand it, do it. Um, and I also did the, the hot cold, the sauna into the, the, the cold plunge. And it was, it was a, it, it gave me back, you know, probably months of my life after that, just wow. from doing that sort of like self-care. And I realized that those things are quite, you know, expensive and I'm really grateful to have, you know, access to those things. and um, and at the same time, it allowed me to realize there were ways that I could implement better practices, meditation, starting my morning without a phone, giving myself a, you know, whatever time I felt like I needed to, to like just wake up and live and breathe and, and decide what I wanted for my day before starting my day. I think that was the biggest shift. So for somebody who's listening and says, all right, you know, I'm kind of struggling with my mental health. I don't even know where to begin, who to go, what to see, or how do you start? Because it sounds like you've done some outside the box things and you're not afraid to try things that see if they work, see how it affects you. What would you say to somebody who's listening and says, you know, I'm kind of struggling or I have questions about what I can do to, to work on my mental health and I don't know where to start. So I'll just list off a few things that I love. Um, I love going for drives. Um, it for, because I don't look at my phone when I'm driving. Uh, I'm very like, I'm a stickler about that. If I don't have a, you know, car play in the car, I don't touch my phone. Um, for a couple of years, I had a, a vintage car that I drove around town. And I think that was my favorite part about it was it forced me to put it down. And what I, what, what I love about it, I'll give you a list of things I love about it. So I love driving around the neighborhoods around my neighborhood and it might seem mundane, but what it allows me is the, the one reminder, there are so many people around that are living their own life. And, um, I'm not actually alone period, uh, as a human on earth. Um, it makes me appreciate, um, the world around me and the people around me and the things around me. It, it, I, I don't know it, uh, if it's an intentional gratitude thing or if it ends up being a gratitude thing. Um, but it gives me a different perspective when I drive back to my place it, it makes it look different. It makes it feel different because I now feel like I'm part of this community of people. I just, you know, drove around and, and sort of experienced. Um, 
you know, bonus points if you've got nature you can drive through and or stop and walk through, right? Like that's something I really cherished about being in California was the access to nature and how beautiful that was. Um, and just any kind of pause like that is really good. Um, I, I know a lot of people will say this, and I know this isn't probably out of the box at all, but there, one of my favorite things that happened over the past year was I lost power in my house for like more than a day. And at first I was so frustrated because, you know, I'm spoiled, right? We've gotten, you know, power's gone out all the time at the studio or at the house, but it's back on in 12 hours, et cetera. And, and so my, I, I felt myself, I was judging myself for how much, how spoiled I felt and wanting the power to come back on. Um, but it just meant that I used my phone less. I didn't look at my laptop. I was on the internet. There wasn't internet. And those were two of my favorite days. I finished the book that I'm in love with. And, um, and I realized that by just picking up my phone, whatever it is that I go to, it doesn't matter if it's TikTok or Instagram or YouTube, which I consider those to be completely different versions of influence. But um, I noticed I had more space to create the world that I wanted to live in rather than living in reaction to the world that is being fed to me via, you know, an AI algorithm. So uh, to me, it's like as much as you can put your phone down, try. And I'm guilty of not doing that at all. I also believe that it's one of the best things you can give yourself. Then that's something that any of us can do probably and benefit from is just put our phone down, go for a walk in nature, get outside and go do something else for a little while. Yeah. Or just put the phone down, like be in the same space. You'll see it differently. You'll watch the sun come through in a way you've never seen it before. You'll sit in a different corner of the room you've never sat in. You'll see your place differently. And you're like, oh, this is, yeah, I forget how, you know, how, how many things I have to be grateful for, you know? Yeah, sometimes I just try to enjoy the moment and not worry about taking a picture of the moment either. You just put the phone down and say, let's just be in the moment and enjoy it. It makes a big difference. That indeed is another fantastic example. I totally agree with that. Hunter Hayes, thank you so much for being on Mentally Stronger. I so appreciate that you shared all of your wisdom with us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for, thank you for creating a, a platform and having these conversations. I'm so grateful for you. Oh gosh, I could talk to you forever. Thank you so much for all of that. Welcome to The Therapist Take. It's the part of the show where I'll break down Hunter's mental strength building strategies and share how you can apply them to your own life. Here are three of my favorite tips that Hunter shared. Number one, remind yourself that your experiences might be more universal than you think. Hunter talked about having the same feelings everyone else does, like loneliness and anxiety. And I'm glad that he did because emotions are a universal experience. While somebody who's rich or famous might not feel anxiety about the same thing as somebody who's struggling financially, they still experience anxiety. Everyone feels sad, lonely, angry, and insecure sometimes. But because we don't talk about those things very much, people often feel like they're the only ones struggling. And while mental strength can help you cope with those feelings, it doesn't prevent you from experiencing them ever again. Feeling uncomfortable emotions isn't a sign of weakness, and it doesn't mean that you're weird. It just means you're human. Number two, learn about yourself. I'm thrilled Hunter says therapy helped him learn about himself. This is often part of what we get to do in the therapy office. 
the way you see yourself might not be the same way other people see you. Or the labels you give yourself might not be in line with your behavior. And there are often clear patterns that we get into that are hard to recognize. And sometimes there's a domino effect that's tough to trace back. Like staying up late watching TV might lead to a long list of habits that are linked to your depression. Or one alcoholic drink might be enough to trigger your mental health issues. But it's hard to identify that on your own. A therapist can help you discover those patterns. But of course, therapy is not the only way to learn about yourself. There are lots of other things you can do. Writing in a journal every day could help. Just write some things that have been on your mind or how you've been feeling and how your emotions affect your decisions. Or just spend some time alone without any electronic devices. Sitting with uncomfortable feelings and just noticing the thoughts that run through your brain can be instrumental in teaching you more about yourself. You can also just challenge yourself to try new things. You can learn a lot about yourself by stepping outside your comfort zone. And number three, experiment with different strategies to work on your mental health. Hunter talked about a whole bunch of tools that he uses to manage his mental health. Things like acupuncture, float tanks, and meditation. But he also says he sometimes just takes a break from technology or goes for a long drive. It's important to develop a toolbox of self-care strategies that you can try too. What works for one person might not work for someone else. But you want to figure out what helps you relax, what things make you feel most alive, and what kinds of things rejuvenate you, not just for a minute, but for the long term. So those are three of Hunter's strategies that can help you make your mental health a priority. Remind yourself that your experiences might be more universal than you think. Invest in learning about yourself and experiment with different strategies to work on your mental health. To learn more about Hunter and to listen to some of his music, check out his website, hunterhays.com. If you know someone who could benefit from hearing more about mental strength, share this show with them. Simply sharing a link to this episode could help someone feel better and grow stronger. Do you want free access to my online course? It's called 10 Mental Strength Exercises That Will Help You Reach Your Greatest Potential. To get your free pass, all you have to do is leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Then send us a screenshot of your review. Our email address is podcast at amymorinlcsw.com. We'll reply with your all-access pass to the course. Thank you for hanging out with me today and for listening to Mentally Stronger. And as always, a big thank you to my show's producer, Nick Valentine. <laughs>